Hello, everybody. Very excited to be here and speak uh, to you what I've learned from John 5, verse 8. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember when uh, one thing that really struck me last year, Tanner, was that every time he get up, gets up in here and says, I, this is my favorite place to be. I don't want to be any, anywhere else. And he said it every time he talked. And so I, I forgot how, how awesome it is to be up here and share what God has shown me. I hope it will encourage you too. Um, really, to give is better than to receive. Um, so, so I'm very excited. Um, well, if you're not there yet, and it's uh, Matthew verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, um, you can go there. And... Uh, um, I, will, I will read it. Actually, I know it by heart because I've, I've read it so many times. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it's actually the same in every major translation. Um, I would like for everybody to read it together three times. And I hope you actually can memorize the verse tonight. Uh, I hope you, you don't have to remember anything else I said, but the Word of God I hope you'll never forget. So, really, um, let's do it, all right? Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Once again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Think about it again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I do not know what you felt when you read it. Uh, by the way, what's the time? Perfect. Uh, did you feel excited? Or was just another verse. You know, to tell you the truth, I, uh, when I read it, I read it many times in my life, and when I've been studying it at the beginning, you know, it was just another verse. Actually, a very a difficult verse to understand, if, if you will. You know, like, okay, I do not know how, what God looks like. I, I don't know, should, you know, seeing God. Um, but, you know, um, we should actually be excited about this. Um, Let's look at the structure of the verse for a second. Uh, I don't, like, this is very similar for, with every verse of this chapter, but it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What is the main point of this verse? Anybody wants to answer? You can give it a try. It's not going to hurt. They shall see God. They shall see God. You think that's the, the main point? I would, uh, anybody else has another <laughs> suggestion? <laughs> There's only one other option. <laughs> well, the main point actually is blessed, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God is a supporting sentence. For they shall see God. Okay, so that the main point that he's trying to talk about is that the people that are pure in heart are blessed. Why? Because they shall see God. See God... God is basically the selling point for the people who are pure in heart, right? So, uh, if seeing God does not excite you, there is no reason for you to be pure in heart. It's so important to see God. That should be like the best news you ever heard in your life. Um, anybody would like to express maybe why we should be excited to see God? Again, open to answer. And this is complete. There's no true or false uh, answer. Wrong. He's our creator. 
because he's our creator. Okay? For sure. Why should we be excited? Part is our Savior. What about seeing God's exciting? I mean, like. Very good, yes. First Corinthians states that. That's true, yes. So, uh, We've never seen him before. Never seen him before. Nobody has seen him before. Or, uh, John says that. John chapter 1 says, Nobody has seen the Father except the Son, right? Yes. Because every time God is showing his face to them, or not his face, sorry, his presence, yeah. usually people are all his face. And do you think that's going to be a different feeling than what we have today? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be different, anybody? Do you think it's going to be different from what we're already experiencing today? Is it going to be better or not? I mean, yes. I do not know. I <laughs> I'm asking. <laughs> But I want you to think about it because I don't want you to read this too fast. It's, uh, you know, like these ten verses, the ten blessing, uh, you know, we can read them fast. It almost has a rhythm to it, right? You know, blessed is blessed. And so we just forget maybe to analyze every single sentence. I was forced. Andy asked me to. <laughs> so, so here we go. Well, okay, let's look at a little bit of context. Andy Benson did that last week, uh, two weeks ago, and I really liked it. And... Uh, I want to do it again. And uh, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's, there, is a, there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gent- gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall satis- be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, notice it's very similar. I, I was, uh, we were studying Proverbs, uh, Andy and I, uh, last... Uh, actually last year, verse by verse. And I can see in here the uh, a Jewish structure of poetry even, similar to Proverbs. If you see, it says uh, the same thing again and again. Okay, well, first of all, we have the same, the same, phrase, the same word, blessed, blessed, blessed in every verse. It starts with that. Then you, say, you have blessed is something, this person, and then for, there is, there is the punchline, right? For, this is, there is something to it, Okay. But so if you take, so there's parallel. If you take the first section and just read that, we have a story, if you will. Not a story, but like I would, I would say uh, the plan of salvation. If you look at blessed are the poor in spirit, then he says blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the gentle. gentle. Uh, let's go with verse 3 again. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is, is a person who finally understands depravity because he understands I'm nothing. My, I'm terrible. My, my, my spirit is bad, right? So this is a person who understands I'm, I'm, I'm bad. Uh, uh, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. So this is a person who now has the conviction of sin, really. Like he is like if somebody died when he realizes that he's a sinful man. Um, but, you know, a person that is in that situation, like Judah, do you remember Judah Iscariot, doesn't mean necessarily he's going to go to God, right? He can just go to other resources to feel better about himself. He killed himself. Uh, but ver- uh, verse uh, 5 says, Blessed are the gentle. It can also be translated humble or meek. Okay? We need to be humble as people and, and, and realize that we can do nothing by ourselves. There's no other way to, to, uh, to get rid of the mourning except 
going to God. So we need, we need a Savior. So the search of a Savior. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is, shows a new heart, a heart that God is putting us full of, of a new desire, of a new hunger, a new food, righteousness. Okay, Before, it wasn't that. Um, verse 7 Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Like Andy said two weeks ago, that's, that's now starting to influence others. I mean, the, 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 the fact that we're saved, the fact that God has shown us mercy, uh, causes us to actually share with other people. Tell them about what's, what's in store for them for, from God, you know. And so this is our sign of mercy. Um, and now finally we are on Matthew 5, 8. Let's say it all again together, possibly without watch, looking at the Bible, okay? So, that, uh, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is sanctification, if you think about it. Pure in heart. Um, in Hebrews it says that without sanctification you cannot see God. Period. So, this is what we're doing today. Uh, but I'm gonna, we, I want to go through this verse by starting with the end, basically seeing God. I want to concentrate ourselves with that because I hope I can make you excited about seeing God. I think it's going to be impossible because I have not seen God. And really, it's, yes, I'm just one of you guys. So, but I hope I will bring some points into the table and I hope God will help you have a heart that will start beating for, for God. You know, it reminded me when I read it, right away, I thought about when I was engaged or when I was going to see my wife. I lived here for three years before I came, I went back to Albania to marry her. Um, And uh, before marrying, actually, I went there for three years to, well, we got legally married. And then I came back and then I went back again in Albania after eight months to actually get married with a church. But very complicated. But anyway, the point is, I was there, I was here for very long. And when I finally bought the tickets to go in the Ciela, I remember I was excited. I was excited. You can ask my roommates, okay, and my co-workers. I don't see any of my ex-co-workers here. Um, there was nothing else in my mind. And I remember even the day when, I mean, when we landed, it was late at night, and uh, we looked for our luggage and I pull up and I went out to look for Ella, you know, among the, uh, in the crowd. And uh, I remember there was my dad and my mom and I really didn't care for them. <laughs> I had somebody in mind, but you know, I had to greet them first, you know, because I was not yet married with her. So I guess I owed my parents at first hug. So I hug, hug, and then she was, right? <laughs> so, uh, but I remember like, my heart was beating because I knew that outside that exit door, she had to be there, right? Now, that's the kind of uh, feeling we should have when we read and we shall see God. If we haven't had that stop of beat or extra beat or whatever, uh, something is wrong. Probably it is wrong. Uh, now, let's, let's look at Moses. Let's go to Exodus 33. That's another guy who loved God like probably nobody else. Exodus 33. Well, let me give you some uh, uh, context. You know, okay, Moses was called to go up in the mountain and get the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's a big deal. 
he stayed there for a long time. So the Israel, uh, the people of Israel decided to put together a calf, a golden calf, start worshiping that. Moses didn't know about it. As he's going down, he hears them cheering and having festivity. And, and God actually tells him what's going on. God says, I'm going to destroy them all and make a, a country out of you. <laughs> and he says, no, don't do that, you know. Please don't do that. You know, I don't want your name to be uh, put down. It's great. Deante is not here. Deante talked about Moses, how humble and meek of a person he was. He never got mad when somebody pushed his buttons. But when somebody pushed God's buttons, he got mad. In fact, when he got down to the mountain with the two table, uh, tablets of the ten, with the Ten Commandments, he saw what they did. They, he took the tablets fr- written from God. By the end of it, he breaks them. I mean, it's like, what did you do? Do. And he did that, and then uh, took uh, the calves, destroyed and made in pieces. I don't even know how you can make a calf into pieces. Threw in the water and made the people of Israel drink it. And that was not enough. Well, there was uh, more, more judgment also from God, burning, killing, and everything. So it was a mess. God got angry. If you go actually to chapter 33, verse uh, 1 and 2, then the Lord spoke to Moses Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, the Perizzite, Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. I don't know if you notice the problem with this verse. He said, I'm going to send an angel before you. It was not going to be God anymore. He was not happy with the people. He could not live with them anymore. Now, that really hurt uh, everybody, but especially Moses. Um, Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself, yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight. Let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Wow. God again. Second time, Moses prays, God changes his mind. I mean, to just give you an idea of how tight Moses and God were. It's like a relationship that none of us have. Um, Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Basically, Moses is saying, if you do not come with us, I'm staying here. I don't, I don't care if you tell us to go. I'm staying here. I'm ready, basically, to die. For how then can I be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your, by your going with us so that we, we and uh, I and your people may be as distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. And then Moses asked one more thing. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. Now, this has nothing to do with the conversation that Moses and God have had till now. Just Moses, just put this in. Can I see your glory? It's like, you know, I might as well. What do I have to lose? I already said I'm going to disobey you. If you know, I don't know. Anyway, he says that. And God so gracious says, and he said, 
I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. What an honor. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Read that, because we cannot see God and live unless somebody helps us, right? We got a big problem between us and God. Um, in fact, if you read the rest of, of the Old Testament, example after example, of, of people that have seen a form of God, first reaction is like, uh-oh, we are going to die. Why? Because we saw God. You can see that again. The Jews had a very good perception of who God was. They were afraid. None of them would have ever dared to say, I will see God one day. None of them, none, they didn't pass by their minds that that was going to happen. It was a scary thought to see God. If you had seen God, even if God wanted to, you see him. They knew that as soon as that happened, they would have died because nobody can see God and live. Uh, let's see. Now, I, remember, I want to remind you, this Moses, this is the guy that in chapter 3, let's go there, verse 6 of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 6. He said, you know, this is when, uh, Mo, when God shows on the, on the burning bush, right? So right at the beginning, he said in verse 6, he said also, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is a guy who was afraid to look at God, but now he wanted to see God. He loved God. He had a relationship with God. He was in love with God. I mean, he's in, that's all he cared to know to see was God's face, right? Uh, anyway, so I just thought to mention that to, as an example for us to see like, man, where is our heart right now? Why is that our heart doesn't beat love for God like it did to Moses or it does when we are about to get married, right? What is it? Why? Um, uh, let's go to Titus all the way across the other side of the Bible to Titus chapter 2. And if you do not know where it is, tough. Verse 13. Well, let's start from verse 11. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Okay, we know this, right? This is the gospel, right? We heard this many times. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly righteously and godly in the present age. But look at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Again, here Paul is telling Titus the secret to success, to success in the godly life. He's giving us the candy, if you will. The reward, which is to see God, His appearance. He's not telling you you're going to have a great life here on earth. No, he's telling you uh, pursue, God, uh, right, um, you know, uh, pursue godliness, uh, uh, righteousness. And the motivation is verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. So, again, that should be our motivation of life. That should be the motivation of everything you're doing. Wow. 
Um, okay, we, we, have, we have understood we cannot see God. The question is why, okay? Why is it so, so scary to see God? Um, well, you know, you may have asked yourself a question. Why is there so much in the Bible, you know, the Pentateuch, about the law? We don't care anymore. We don't have to live under that. Why is that there is a, such a big section of the Bible dedicated to the law of God? There's really two reasons. I mean, uh, in the New Testament, it says why, right? The law was to show us what? Sin, right? What was sin? It was a definition of sin and how sinful we are. But the, this, the other side of the same coin of what sin is, is God's holiness, how holy he is. That's why they had all those practices of like, and you have to do this step and this step and this step. And if you do this, you have to wash your hands and not only your hands, but all your body. I mean, it's like a weird set of process. Why? Because God is holy. He needs purity. He needs cleanliness. He cannot. And so it really is nothing in the practice that really saved them or anything like that. But the practice was to show them, first, they cannot fulfill what the law says. But second, to see what is the demand that God has over people, over humans. It is like very high, very high. He requires holiness. And that's why we have the law. So we already know that God is holy from the law. And the whole Bible talks about that. And so, again, the same problem is we are sinful. Let's go to Isaiah 6. Sorry that I'm jumping all over, but... You don't have to if you don't want to. You can trust me, but you shouldn't. You should look for yourself. So Isaiah chapter 6, 5 and 7. So again, actually, there's another guy who sees God. Look, look, looks his reaction and what happens. Then I said, that's Isaiah, Woe is me, for I'm ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. That's why he could live, because God did something about it. He... He realized that he was clean. When he saw God, he felt dirty. Um, you know, that's what happened to me. What I was, no, I've never seen God. But what's what happened to me when I've been studying this. It's just like I really have been feeling worse than before I started. Because, you know, just reading about God, it just, it's amazing. God is a great God. And just the thought that we will be seeing him, it just makes me feel so inadequate. I mean, like, you know, I'm not ready for God. Okay, well, let's, let's study a little bit about the second section of Matthew 5, 8. Again, is anybody who wants to say it by, by himself or by herself? No? Okay, I'm gonna, we're going to do it together. And then next time I'm going to pick on people, all right? So you have to memorize it, okay? <laughs> Again, the reason is that you have to remember God's word, not my words. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. God looks at the heart. This is the first time in this section that Jesus points to the heart. Until now, in fact, just the verse before was talking about blessed are the merciful, right? So, like, very easy for us to act 
nice, but the heart is corrupted, okay? Um, uh, in fact, if we, are ever, if we had time to read a, a little bit further in chapter 5, you know, from verse 21, he says, you know, you heard about murder, right? That's bad. But I tell you, if you actually hate a person, you're just as bad. See, God, in much of this sermon, Jesus actually points at the heart of man and that that is the key. That's what God looks at, not at your action. Now, you can, you can deceive any other man, me or anybody else, easily for the rest of my and your life, um, but you cannot deceive God. God sees your heart. Um, uh, let's go to Matthew 15, though. I want to, and probably know this verse. Matthew 15, verse 18, says, uh, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the men. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the men, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the men. The source of every bad thing we do is from our hearts, not society, not your upbringing, your, not your parents, not your brother, sister, not your friend or not so friend. Um, there is nothing else but your heart that is the source of your problems. If you have to condemn for anything bad in your life, you look inside of yourself. Okay, the heart is the problem. Uh, you know, we all, I think we, uh, we all know that, that verse that says, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things, right? Nobody can trust it. That's the Bible says something like that. Not me. And, and, and uh, it is really so. I mean, like, it's the source of your thoughts, the source of your feelings, uh, the source of, you know, many times it happens like that. You know, you have a, just recently happened to me. Uh, I, I give this not as good testimony of my life, but I was at work, and uh, a co-worker did something that I didn't think was right. And I had a bad feeling about it. I mean, like, feeling toward me. Like, I felt like, how could you do this to me, right? So it started with a feeling, and it went on then to some reasoning. I started to think about it. It's like, I bet he, he's doing this and that. So I started to actually suspect evil about him. I... Uh, which then caused other feelings to be, you know, to come up in my heart, which caused other thinking. Uh, many times that can lead to actually bad actions. Fortunately, I finally got into my senses and I went to talk to him and clarified and understood that it was just a misunderstanding. But you see how it, it always starts in the heart, you know. Uh, you name it, you think about it. I mean, like even even um, as young people, for sure, I don't. I know we all have the same problem of like impurity of thoughts, sexual impurity. Um, um, that's one of the first things that came to me when I read Blessed Are the Pure in Heart. It's like, wow, a person that is not pure in heart is probably a person that watches pornography. But again, you know where that starts? starts in the heart. You're imagining something. You are uh, assuming something about maybe, you know, if you're a man about girls. And uh, you wish about something. So it starts there. It starts with a feeling. It starts, then it continues in a, in a thought process. And then it, it leads to another feeling. And, to an, and next thing you know, you're actually doing something wrong. But it starts in the heart. If your heart were pure, 
you will not be in the problem, in the troubles you get yourself or we get ourselves into. We cannot change our heart, though. You know, if you're thinking about this, like, oh, man, I need to fix this because, well, I want to see God, but also I don't want to be a bad person. Well, you cannot do it. You cannot do it by yourself. You know, it says in Jeremiah 13, 23, says that just like, you know, the leper cannot remove his spots, you cannot change your behavior or your heart. Let's go to Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 14. says, uh, pursue peace with all men, 1214, uh, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. So, you know, uh, we have to strive and pursue sanctification. Sanctification is a process, you know, is becoming more and more like God in a sense. It's, uh, it's a process, but we, we, you know, we don't have time, but all over, especially in the New Testament, you'll see that sanctification by yourself, it's impossible. Just as you needed Christ for salvation, you also need Christ for growth. Um, so sanctification is also a process that God is part of, not just you. Either way, we need to pursue it. And acknowledging that God, we need God, we need to pray a lot about it. Uh, but again, it says very clearly, without sanctification... No one will see the Lord. Let's go back to Titus 2. I really love that uh, passage. Uh, let's finish that up. Okay, Titus 2, and it's after Second Timothy, if you're still looking for it. It says, in chapter, so we read chapter 13, it says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. <laughs> Let no one dis disregard you. That's the one thing I can do with all authority. <laughs> is. But what, what, I, what I liked is uh, verse 14. It says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. See, he saved us. The motivation uh, to us to pursue purity is we'll see God one day, but yet we're not left alone. God is with us. God is going to take care of that. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a mystery. We cannot quite understand how does it work that I have to work hard and then God does it all. It's a mystery. We believe them both. Accept them both and live like both are true at the same time. Uh, purity Positionally, God will one day uh, completely clean us from all sin when Christ returns. Um, because that's a mathematical equation. If we are going to see God and live with Him, we cannot have sin in our lives. And I'm looking forward to that. I hope you do too. The day will come where you will worship God just like you're doing today with your life, with your singing, prayer, and all of that worship. Um, but you will do it without one mistake, without any sin, without any bad feeling or bad thought. Um, you will be able to love your brothers and sisters without sinning. Uh, you will not get angry at them. Um, how, how beautiful is that going to be? One more verse before we close. Um, 
is uh, Revelation chapter 22. These are the last verses of the Bible. And uh, I love the fact that this mentioned, even this, this point is mentioned even all the way to the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 and 4, talking about the future where we will be. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and, the Lam- and of the Lamb will be in it, and His bond servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. You know, I do not know what it means to see God's face. We just sang some songs of which we don't even know what we're talking about because it's talking about, you know, God, you know, wrapped or clothed in rainbows. I really do not know what that means. But it's normal because we're talking about God, right? I do not know what his face will be like. I mean, he's going to be physically have a face or spiritually or anything else we do not know. It's going to be... Though the truth is that we are going to see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Then finally, verse 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things, yes, I'm coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all, with all. Amen. So, Look at the heart of John as he finishes this. You know, like at the end of seeing all these visions, he says, Amen, come Lord Jesus. His heart is to see God, to be with him. And so, uh, this is it. I hope uh, you have, um, you have, you're starting to have, to, to understand how important it is that, and that the fact, like Andy Gerlach said that at the beginning of the summer, said that, uh, um, these verses are like a, kind of like you know an indicator in our car, right? If if you're not excited about the second part of the verse, the first part of the verse probably is your problem. <laughs> so like in this case, you know, if you're not excited about seeing God, maybe you need to look at your heart. Where what is your heart? Maybe it's worshiping other things. Maybe it's worshiping too many other things. Maybe you are not uh, uh, dedicated to God. You God is not your life. Um, so, you know, I, I'll let you finish up the memorization of Matthew 5.8 in your own time, but that's all I have.